stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Hey, you've probably been hearing the news as of late about the white helmets in Syria. The fact that Canada is going to resettle a number of them. Now, according to the Syrian regime, the, these are criminals. These are terrorists. That, in fact, the effort to rescue hundreds of them from Syria was a criminal process intended to destabilize Syria. But what this was was a multilateral effort to initiate this operation. And credit goes, of course, to the Israeli Defense Forces who carried this out. High drama, as our next guest says, in the middle of the night to rescue these uh, white helmets from the rapidly shrinking rebel zone uh, adjacent to the Israeli-held Golan Heights. Uh, But it was a Canadian-led initiative, and again, credit where credit is due. As Foreign Affairs Minister Chrystia Friedland said, the white helmets are courageous volunteers and first responders who risk their lives to help their fellow Syrians. Our thanks to Israel, Jordan, the U.S., the U.K., Germany, and our other partners who work closely with Canada to make the evacuation of the white helmets possible. Well, joining us uh, for more is uh, author, journalist, columnist Terry Glavin. There's a great piece uh, up at mcleans.ca on the background to this story. Terry, great to have you with us here. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, nice talking to you. All right. So, I I mean, I touched on it, but tell us a bit more about who the White Helmets are, what we need to know about them. Well, they began as, uh, you know, a lot of them were uh, firefighters and ambulance drivers and uh, people who had been uh, 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 caught up in the tumults in Syria, um, you know, in most areas, particularly in Daraa, uh, in the south where it all kicked off seven years ago were committed, uh, you know, anti-Assad uh, people and communities and towns and cities. And uh, they've become, they sort of, over time, they become, uh, became kind of a grassroots uh, organization. They're the people that you see on TV, you know, pulling kids out of, you know, the rubble of bombed-out buildings. Uh, they conduct uh, workshops on how to survive chemical warfare attacks. They evacuate citizens from the front lines. They were founded in in 2014, and they're supported and have been supported by most Western countries, I think. It's probably certainly the leading Western countries. The United States has supported them financially. Britain was a a leader in providing material and financial support to the White Helmets. And Canada, I think we've contributed about $7.5 million dollars to them over the last two or three years and they're still usually called volunteers because they only get a stipend of about 150 bucks a month so they can survive and they have been subject particularly in fact the minute the russians started dropping bombs in syria uh they launched a massive uh disinformation campaign about uh, the white helmets um and it was particularly intense during the siege of Aleppo uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, and the, the absolute, you know, turning Aleppo into, you know, a city that looked like London during the Blitz. Um, a, a really, really sinister and ugly and awful uh, campaign of lies and disinformation and propaganda saying that they were affiliated to al-Qaeda, that they fabricate, uh, you know, uh, they, 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 they they carry out false flag chemical weapons attacks. 
mm-hmm. and all this kind of carry on. And tragically, and, and I think disgracefully, uh, those lines of of of, uh, of propaganda have been uh, reiterated, rearticulated, um, regurgitated, and elaborated upon by a number of people who fa- quite prominent in some cases people who who fancy themselves as being anti-Zionists or anti-imperialists, as well as the far right crank crackpots like Alex Jones at uh, InfoWars in the States. Mm-hmm. You know, David Icke, you know that guy? Oh, yes. he's, he's always giving out about lizard people or something. Yep. Um, at Rabble, which is uh, supported still, I think, disgracefully by a number of uh, public sector unions in Ontario. It's kind of an, uh, a webzine. Uh, Eva Bartlett was a correspondent of theirs for some time. I haven't seen anything that they've published of hers recently. But she has become internationally prominent in um, regurgitating all this rubbish. I mean, you know, she was writing stuff as a guest of the Assad regime uh, for Rabble, uh, you know, referring to the liberation of Idlib when the Assad forces took over Idlib. Um, And uh, Vanessa Beely in Britain, Max Blumenthal, who, you know, he's one of these sort of anti-Zionist hipsters. Uh, And he's been, uh, again, I'd say, disgracefully invited to come and speak in Canada by, you know, a couple of church groups and some fringy NDP types that most of the New Democrats are ashamed and embarrassed to be associated with, have been telling these horrible stories about the White Helmets. In fact, most, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if most people know about the White Helmets or what they've heard about the White Helmets has come through, you know, these disinformation uh, campaigns. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, what does this all tell us, though, about the situation in Syria, that, that it got so bad that, uh, they, that these individuals right. have, to, have to suffer through everything they've suffered through uh, and that we would have to, to be a part of a rescue mission? Well, it's, uh, that's, that's the thing I think we should be keeping our eye on. What happened um, a year ago is, uh, and at the time, the White House, Trump, you know, uh, presented it as some great, uh, stable genius victory. Uh, Trump secured what he said was an agreement with Vladimir Putin to, de- to create a de-escalation zone in southwestern Syria, uh, you know, uh, sort, of, uh, sort of a safe zone, I think he called it. Um, and it would encompass the provinces, the governance of Dara and Kunitra. And Dara borders uh, 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 Jordan. Uh, I've been there, aren't we? I've been 15 kilometers, really shouting distance of it anyway. And also, Kunitra uh, is right up against the Golan Heights. And um, that was supposed to be a safe zone. And uh, the Russians allowed Assad to violate it. Uh, Trump did nothing. The Americans did absolutely nothing about it. During the spring months of this year, uh, Assad's troops, supported by Russian air power and uh, the uh, the Iranian Quds Force, you know, it's uh, out of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, were amassing troops uh, around Kunitra and uh, Dara. And uh, they started dropping leaflets on Dara City saying, we're coming, and they came. 
and they started bombing. And in one, I think, 15-hour period, I think it was July 4, uh, there were uh, 600 uh, bombardments of Daraa City. 320,000 people streamed into the desert. You know, another massive uh, refugee, uh, displaced persons problem. They couldn't get into Jordan if, even if they tried. Jordan has taken 1.2 million uh, Syrian refugees so far uh, because the, the Assad, Assad's army had, uh, had closed off the border. So they started moving north more into the deserts above Kunitra, which is very right up against the Golan. And uh, so the Brits and the Canadians and the French and the Germans uh, started talking a few weeks ago about, uh, my gosh, you know, we need to do something about this. Trump, the Americans are gone. They've bailed. You know, they've had, they had this, this agreement with Trump to maintain a safe zone. They've just abrogated the agreement. Trump doesn't give a damn. In fact, he, he, he cut off all funding to the White Helmets uh, and later restored a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I guess it was at the NATO summit things came to a head in Brussels a couple of weeks ago when um, uh, Christian Freeland said, look, we've got to do something about this because on July 6th, the rebels surrendered. They entered into one of these agreements that have been, we've seen, uh, we saw it in East Duma a couple of months ago uh, and in other parts of Syria where, you know, it's just turning a, a town or a city into Dresden. And then, uh, you know, all the civilians die and everybody's homeless and the rebels that are left, you know, they enter into an agreement with the Assad regime to give up their heavy weaponry and then they're bussed up to uh, Idlib. And then Idlib is becoming a sort of huge, vast open area concentration camp uh, where all the resistance is being, con- uh, the, you know, the fighters are being uh, concentrated so that Assad can, he'll just obliterate them in the coming weeks, I expect. But um, so... The difficulty with the White Helmets is that they're not an armed group. Uh, they don't have an opportunity, and it would be crazy of them to try, you know, to surrender to Assad. They're already targeted for assassination and murder through a process known as double tapping. Uh, the Russians perfected this. What they will do is they'll bomb a clinic, uh, they'll, uh, and then uh, they'll, they'll uh, or, or rather they'll they'll bomb you know a building a mm-hmm. civilian building all the white helmets will rush in and then they'll come back when when the first responders are there and then they'll hit it again and then they'll uh they'll hit the the clinic or the hospital uh and the white the, the white helmets people have lost a couple of hundred uh of their their members to this sort of thing in the last couple of years um if this is kind of a tragic case. This this uh, this evacuation. The there were supposed to be three groups adding up to about, I think about twelve hundred people, which is, you know, the 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 actual volunteers and their mums and dads if they were old and and their kids if they got any kids. So it would add up to about twelve hundred people in three groups, and only one of the groups got out, uh, and the rest are remain and it's not clear whether or not and of course it's all very top secret because you don't want to disclose the whereabouts of of the white helmets groups um it's not clear whether or not there would be a subsequent evacuation attempt or whether or not and this is also quite possible because some of the white helmets people have said this we're not going we're going to die here but our people have nothing 
And, uh, you know, if we go, if we go, you know, who's going to pull those babies out of the buildings, right? So it's all very horrible and disgraceful. And I think it illustrates, you know, in the bigger picture, what's happened here is, and it certainly didn't begin with Donald Trump. The Americans have lost. The Americans have lost militarily. They've lost strategically. They've lost geographically, geostrategically. They've lost morally, most importantly, to be any uh, any kind of a beacon where the, the suffering Arabs might turn for some kind of help. Um, and Obama started this. I mean, you know, he made his deal with Iran, and uh, Iran said, okay, we'll play... Play, play our cards with you so long as you don't mess with us in Syria and you leave Bashar Assad alone. Uh, Obama made this ridiculous deal that was violated right away with the Russians, John Kerry and Lavrov. Remember the red, crossing the red line business and let yeah. the Russians oversee the, uh, the removal of chemical weapons uh, from Assad's arsenal. Of course, that never happened. And there have been a number, I think about 200 different uh, chemical weapons uh, war crimes that have been unequivocally attributable to the Assad regime since that deal. Um, so, yeah, the Americans have lost. The West has lost. Humanity's lost. There isn't a single international law, covenant, declaration, codicil, statute on war crimes and crimes against humanity that have not been committed in Syria with impunity. And uh, it's broken. It's gone. I mean, I think it's really hard for people to get their heads around this, uh, the extent, the gravity of it. And the, the, I mean, you're looking at a country of about 22 million people. Uh, they rose up in the Arab Spring. They were the most pro-democracy and pro-American of all the Arab Spring uprisings and non-violent. Uh, and that country of 22 million people, it's not there anymore. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as Syria. It is this vast wasteland of smoking tombs. Uh, six million refugees, between 350,000 and a half a million dead, people directly killed, killed directly by the violence, uh, and another uh, another six million, six and a half million people inside Syria that have been displaced and they're living in bombed out buildings and under freeway overpasses and in rubble and so on. Okay. So yeah, we've lost. It's gone, and I think that's what this represents: is that these first responders are sort of the last. There, that's it. <laughs> I know. It's it's awful. Uh, Pretty let, grim. Yeah, it is indeed. Uh, folks can read more. Your piece is up at mcleans.ca. Uh, Terry, always good chatting with you. Thanks so much for joining us. You too. too. Sorry to be such so grim. That's the reality. Yeah. Now, yeah. Terry, all the best. Take care. You too. All right. That's uh, author and journalist uh, Terry Glavin, his piece up at mcleans.ca. As he says, the least we can do for these brave people is offer them refuge and a heartfelt, abject apology for mostly just standing around and watching while their country was destroyed. 974-8255 is our number. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.